Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back and thank you for choosing to spend some time with us here on the Education on Fire podcast. If you're a new listener, please do get in touch and let us know where you're listening from and also how you came across the show. Just drop me an email at mark at educationonfire.com and I'll be really delighted to, to find out more. I know the reach is really expanding into Asia and we've got lots of new listeners in India as well. So yeah, please do let me know, mark at educationonfire.com. Now today I'm chatting to Dominic Arnold and he's from Just Like Us. Just Like Us is the charity for LGBT plus young people. Their mission is to empower LGBT plus young people to make education more inclusive and they work directly with educators of all types of schools. It was founded five years ago for the simple reason, growing up LGBT plus is still unacceptably tough. You can book a school talk and these are currently taking place online including with pupils at home and get involved with their Pride Groups programme. Also don't forget to sign up to the School Diversity Week. This is the annual celebration of LGBT plus inclusion that takes place every summer. Just before this wonderful conversation with Dominic, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. Scientific SOS, written by Daniel Phelps, is a unique children's adventure for young people aged 8 to 12 and even to adults. It's where science meets adventure. It's not a science book, it's a children's adventure novel which has science in it. Five pupils, each with their own particular gifts, are thrust into a fight for survival and exploration that opens up the beauty and wonder of nature, science and the universe. Scientific SOS inspires children to look at the world with fresh eyes and curious minds. Riddled with riddles and poetry, it uses the power of narrative to help understand concepts deeply and remember facts. Children learn best whenever they are interested in something and enjoying themselves. This book does just that. It offers a new creative vehicle to add to the teaching and learning toolbox and creates a relaxed and enjoyable learning environment, perfect at any time, but especially now. Scientific SOS provides a perfect platform for discussions and encourages children to ask questions. So it's not only ideal for loan reading or as a class book, but perfect for homeschooling too. Scientific SOS can be bought on Amazon, both in Kindle or paperback, or find out more at scientifica.com. That's Scientifica with an X, X-I-E-N-T-I-F-I-C-A, scientifica.com. Hi, Dominic. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Let's start with what exactly is Just Like Us? So Just Like Us is uh, the LGBT young people's charity, and we run a number of programs are designed to celebrate LGBT inclusion uh, and also prevent homophobic, biphobic and transphobic bullying in schools across the UK. So tell me about when was it set up? Why was it set up in, in terms of this particular charity, as opposed to also, I guess, that the wider connotations of we know why, why it was needed mm. in this country and across the world? So it was, we were set up, we're a relatively new organisation. We were set up in 2016 and our founder had gone to visit his old school and given a talk um, about, uh, about himself as a gay man and having attended the school and what the impact of not having LGBT inclusion was on him. Um, and the, the talk went very well. Uh, and on that basis, he decided to set up the charity, basically, to, to send people into schools. That was our first programme, which we still run today, uh, the Ambassador Programme, sending young people, 18 to 24-year-olds, into schools, basically to give talks about their experience as an LGBT person. 
Um, and it was quite a sort of the way it was done was quite different, actually. Funnily enough, I was working for Stonewall at the time, big LGBT organization. Um, and when um, when this organization came out, I was already in LGBT education. And it was a really curious thing. It would kind of work the opposite to the way that the rest of us were working at the time. So the rest of us were doing kind of very top-down initiatives. So we were training teachers, training senior leaders in order to make change in their school. So you might, for example, give them a big list of things, right? Go away, tick off everything on this list, and then you'll have an LGBT-inclusive school. Um, but Just Like Us has always worked the other way up. So we've always worked with young people in order to make changes within their environment. Um, and because of that, we started our, our second program, the Pride Groups program, which creates LGBT and ally groups in schools and basically just gives young people a chance to talk. Um, and for me, that's much more where LGBT education, well, really where all ed education is going. This idea of prioritising student voice and listening to students and where you can, not always, but where you can um, uh, listening to them and, and then creating change based on what they say. I think certainly the the conversation is the most important thing, isn't it? I think I mean, it's a long time ago now when I remember being a teenager in school, certainly, and having certain questions about... Um, so I was sort of at secondary school, I was in the 80s, so AIDS was obviously very much in the news and, and a really important factor in many people's lives. And at that kind of age, there's so many kind of facts which aren't true or facts that are true, but they don't know how they relate to you and all of that. And actually... What you want is a, is, a, is a safe environment and a safe conversation that you can have just to kind of understand what it is that you need to understand, whatever the, whatever the environment that happens to be or whatever the topic that is. And I think you're absolutely right. That that kind of one-on-one -on -one or, or that one inclusive within a class or, or a scenario within a school just gives an opportunity for that, which, like you say, just having a list of things to do or to say just doesn't really do. Absolutely. And I think it sends a really clear signal to the young people as well. The, you know, the, the fact that the group exists, the fact that the institution has said, we're going to make a, a space for you because we think your voice is important. Like that, that's kind of a phenomenal thing, I think. And I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm probably a similar age to you from, from what you said. And that's the sort of thing that just wouldn't have been in place uh, when, when, we were, when we were at school. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I really liked is the idea that you said it was kind of 18 to 24 year olds that were often going into school to do it. Because I think that understanding just the next step or, or someone that you can relate to has a very different impact on people, doesn't it, than having someone from a completely different generation? It does. It does. And don't get me wrong, you can be inspired by anyone, right? So people do and are inspired by people of all age groups. But, but I think you're absolutely right. There's something about someone that's just a couple of years ahead of you <laughs> uh, that's maybe just recently gone through exactly what you're going through. That's, you know, that stage in education can be a bit of a track. So you've got, you know, GCSEs and then A-levels. And to have someone that knows that process very, very well. I, I think is really valuable because you end up with a system where, um, you know, rather than having someone that's just in, in, in a place that can seem unachievable to you at school, actually this person becomes very relatable and maybe they've gone through literally exactly the same thing you just have. And I think we have to be careful not to position, you know, there's an approach of using, for example, LGBT celebrities for things where we'll say, well, you know, look at, I don't know, Graham Norton or someone like that. And you'll think, well, you know, if you're struggling with your GCSEs, if you're being bullied at school, are you really thinking about whether or not you're going to become Graham Norton or do you need something that's perhaps a little bit more in your immediate circle? 
absolutely. And and talk us a little bit through some of these conversations and, and, and some of these things that are happening in terms of the different types of people that you're interacting with. Because, of course, as you quite rightly said, it may be that you, as the person in the school, is struggling with these issues in terms of coming to terms with who you are or just thoughts of, mm. of where your life is going and how it fits into the day-to-day -day life. And I guess there'll be people there that maybe it hasn't even been on their radar, depending on, on how old they are in their family situation or, or how it's been talked about in school before. So how does that sort mm. of cross section sort of work in your experience so i think it's i think definitely both those groups exist and sadly the way that still a lot of lgbt young people will hear for example the word gay for the first time is as part of an insult so is it is as the you know um we hear stories for all the time from lgbt people that said you know i was called gay and i didn't even know what gay was at the time but i was i knew that it was this sort of pejorative term that was shouted at me and I think that for, for LGBT young people in the school to meet someone else, um, I train LGBT adults as part of my job as well. And all of them say, I thought I was the only one. That's the most common thing that we hear. So I think that there's value in just letting LGBT young people know that they aren't the only one saying, actually, there's this person, things aren't perfect, but I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I've got a job, I do this. Uh, and it really builds up the picture that actually there are other people out there and you're not going through this experience completely alone. I think for non-LGBT young people, as I say, you know, they might have only known this word gay or, or as an insult, as, as something that they're, they're kind of used to framing as a negative. So to meet someone that says, yes, I am gay, it can be incredibly powerful. It's, it's this thing of someone standing in front of you saying, you know, it, it almost takes the power out of the insult somehow. And what's more, obviously, we're not asking a young person to do that because that would be uh, that would really put that person on the spot, someone in school. But we're bringing someone in from the outside. And, you know, this person speaks really well. We, we make sure that all our ambassadors um, are really good at delivering talks. So, so it's quite a sort of compelling case for equality, I'd say. And what happens if someone comes into school as an ambassador and there's someone in the in the class that thinks I need more information or I need more support I you've opened mm. a door here that I want to step into so I can explore the sorts of conversations I've been wanting to have but didn't know where to have them is, is there sort of a next mm. step beyond that actual sort of going into school and delivering those workshops there is so um f firstly we've got sort of three main programs so we've got the one that i met the ones that i mentioned the ambassador program and the pride groups program we also run school diversity week which is our flagship event at the end of june uh, aimed at involving schools across the country in in diversity initiatives so we obviously aim to get the schools to sign up to as much as they can um so they have access to loads and loads of resources lesson plans that sort of thing but for the young people themselves if they're interested in hearing more part of the presentation we deliver in school connects them with areas that they can do more research in local groups that sort of thing things they can get involved with um, and what we'd really like is to is to get them involved finally in setting up the pride groups and the reason for that is that i think sometimes charities in the education sector of our version of victory is having just someone use as many of our services as possible right yeah. <laughs> and actually that's not, for me that's not great in the long run what we want is for schools to be able to feel confident in this area of work and actually you know a school that uses our services initially and then feels they no longer have the need that's a win that's that's something we'd be really happy with and for us the way of achieving that kind of ongoing confidence i suppose from the school level 
is is to set up a pride group because we get to a point where a school will come to us and say thinking of changing the uniform policy what do you think and we'll say well you you've got a pride group in place why don't you ask the young people what what they'd be interested in and you get this really powerful moment where they're the school are saying right we're changing the policy we want to do this right they've got this really great dialogue going with young people themselves um, which hopefully will bring them to the point where they don't need us anymore uh, and we're very happy to say goodbye at that point well that's fantastic isn't it because that's what real education is it's about sort of explaining giving the skills the learning processes the understanding the platform the community and then being able to say off you go and i certainly Mm-hmm. when I'm delivering my drum lessons it's kind of like I need to kind of make myself um not needed because most of the time you're practicing on your own so I need to make sure that we understand what we're doing in your lesson and then then you can then teach yourself and then there's always new things we can cover but you need me less and less and less and I think I think even understanding that as a learning process is is really key and I think that's really important for schools as well because it's very easy to get into that conversation if we know best and we're giving you knowledge and just yes. just that starting point of kind of we're creating something that's going to grow um it's a whole different way of working really absolutely and i think for all charities in the sector that relationship should be reciprocal you know we learn from our schools network every day we hear about really great practice that we then can ask that school or brilliant can we use this as a case study and distribute it throughout the network i think it is possible to get into quite an unhealthy sort of you know uh quite an unhealthy sort of parent-child relationship as as a charity in the space and it's really important that we don't do that and we make sure that we're listening as well as talking and i think one of the other big things that strikes me that of a really positive uh, this as a charity but in, in a slightly more sort of global education sense is the fact that we're talking about giving children a voice and the confidence that they have a voice to express their views and to express themselves and we talk a lot on the podcast about the education system and the way that is and, and now it's inherently from the industrial revolution and all of that kind of thing but i think the more schools and the world and parents and teachers and the education system actually start to listen to children in whichever way that happens to be wherever that dialogue starts but wherever they feel they have a big enough voice to say i'm not happy because of this or i do like this or we're having a conversation where it is a two-way street I think yeah. that's where real change can happen. And I think, you know, what we're talking about here and what you're talking about and the skills that you're talking about with everyone involved, that has to be a fantastically positive thing. I I think it's, I genuinely think it's the only way to move forward. I think I, I as I, I'm sure you, you have, you know, we have experience of lots of different education systems. And what is still amazing is how different they can be to me. You can walk into one school and feel something and walk into another and feel, and feel something completely different and the schools that I go into that just seem to really have this passion for education this this you know driving force are the schools where those conversations move both ways and where the teachers and the institutions are learning from the young people um and I think it you know it's not just relevant for LGBT inclusion the conversation around student voice is growing and growing and I I I think that's a really positive thing and what we're talking about conversations of being in school is there anything about your own school experience that you remember which was valuable or something which strikes you that was really important even if you didn't quite know it at the time i mean i think from my school my school experience wasn't great so um i was um i was sort of 
I, I, and unfortunately, this story is quite typical, I think, for, for lots of LGBT people. But I was I was quite sort of severely bullied for most of my education and didn't end up finishing the way that I felt that I could have. And I ended up, funnily enough, I think I was, I then went to college and then went to university late. So kind of carried on with my education because I knew that I hadn't done what I wanted to do at school. Uh, and it was always a bit of a bugbear of mine. Uh, this idea that that actually perhaps I should have I should have finished a little bit differently um so I think I think for me what, what one thing that's really key is we of, of course LGBT inclusion all anti-bullying efforts are the right thing to do it's it's right that we're supporting students but I think it, we really can't over- underestimate um the impact on student attainment and on the rest of people's lives really if people aren't able to kind of connect with their school institution in the right way it can really have an impact on them forever so i think it's you know those as i say the great schools that i go into have this kind of no child left behind mentality like whoever you are even if you misbehave even if you do all these things you're one of us and you're part of the school community and i i suppose I really personally feel that that's incredibly important because I I never did feel like I was part of that community. I felt distinctly on the outside of that. And as a result, certainly didn't achieve the grades that I could have got. And one thing that just reminds me of, I had a conversation on a podcast, ooh, must must be quite a few months ago now, if not a year ago. And, and one of the things they expressed and this was this was all about anti-bullying in 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 its heart was the fact that they they gave the children the opportunity to write down what it was they were struggling in their life and it might be that they were being abused at home it might be they were they didn't have the support they needed didn't have any money whatever it happened to be and they wrote it down but with no names and then just put it into a almost like a hat and then someone else would then read this particular scenario they didn't know who it was they didn't know anything about the the individual but they knew that someone in that class or someone in that year group was suffering this which they could obviously then relate to because it's like what a terrible situation to be in if that happens to be their case and it seemed to give a lot of empathy it gave a lot of understanding about what it was to be going through something which wasn't in your experience and therefore that how do you then want to show up and speak to the next person you speak to you know it might be that you were the person being bullied or maybe it was someone that you realize oh that's that's someone who's going through something like me um and therefore maybe we can connect in some kind of way you might not know who it was but it just changes your your whole thought process about i guess that initial thing that you say or your immediate response to something because you know there's something deeper going on in many people's lives and i think that was that was a really powerful thing do you know, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I really love initiatives like that, mostly because whether you're LGBT or whether it's something else, it's, it's possible for all of us to feel like we're struggling alone. We're the only ones struggling, <laughs> you know, in a sea that everyone looks like they're doing okay. And I think that is particularly prevalent at school. You can, you can look out and you can think everyone's getting this except for me. So to hear that actually that isn't the case and that people do have their own problems that they bring and their own things that they have to go through, I think it's a really important life lesson for young people to learn. Yeah, definitely. Certainly isn't about what grade you got in your last test. <laughs> I think, yeah, and when, when, like I say, when you hear all of those things, it really brings, really brings that back. So having talked about that experience that you've had um, and, and also the, the environments that we've sort of grown, grown up in through that school system, what advice do you think you would now give your younger self sort of looking back? 
I think the for a long time I saw education as kind of the enemy. <laughs> I think I saw I saw school certainly as the enemy. I saw the institution as being something that I had to sort of fight to get through every day. And one of the things that's changed as I've got older is I've seen, you know, learning is just the most fascinating and, and kind of beautiful process. You know, the idea of finding things out and the idea of, of really of being as curious as I possibly can about things and trying to continually learn about them. And I do wish that I'd had that a bit younger. I wish, I think if I could speak to my younger self, I'd say, look, learning happens in school. And, and yes, this is a difficult time, but really, you know, pick up as much as you can and do some of your own learning too, because it, it really is, um, I, th I think, you know, learning is one of the things we're, we're on the planet to do as far as I'm concerned, to, to pick up as much as we can. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and why do you think that that isn't inherently what children believe when they're at school is it is it just an age thing is it a fact that there's always a struggle to the next thing there isn't sort of this i always think of sort of this sort of envelope of kind of oh there's so much out here i could do i'm gonna follow my interests and i and i think that's one of the most important things as teachers and educators is to you need to be able to set the framework in the environment and to guide people in a way that your experience can show, but at the same time, give that freedom to to allow that curiosity to go. And that's really hard, I guess, in the current system where it's all about, you know, such a narrow curriculum or, or, or everything being sort of very results led. Yeah, I, th I, th I think you're absolutely right. I think that the interesting thing about a kind of results led culture is that there are, of course, people that won't fit in quite as well to that framework. And I think giving them a message early on that they are failing is, is quite a sort of dangerous thing to do, because I think as a society, we need all different kinds of people. We really need a diversity in, in the way people think, the way people act, the way people talk. And for me, ultimately, it's a diversity message, which feels like I'm bringing it back to LGBT inclusion. Um, but actually, I think it's, it's possibly broader than that. You know, it's to do with diverse thinkers uh, and it's to do with a diversity of faiths and experiences and all sorts of different things. Um, and I think that by saying, right, well, this is the only way that we celebrate success uh, in what is essentially a, a person's first understanding of society really is, is, is school to my, to my view, because I think, you know, before school, you're probably just with your parents. Um, it's the first sort of real society you get a sense of. And if that society is telling you um, that, you, that you're failing, I, th I think that's incredibly dangerous. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think the remote learning thing at the moment has a has an impact on the way people are starting to see that because there are many people saying it's really hard to be at home remote learning both practically and physically and emotionally. But it's affecting many, many people. And and I completely agree. I mean, I have we have children at home remote learning and I'm working and my wife's working, you know, it, it is as, as as tricky as it can be. But it also makes me think that there are many children inside school when there's sort of normal school going on that feel exactly the same in that scenario as well. But because being in school is what is the norm, that therefore becomes, ah, right, this is where we have to be and this is what it should be and you have to fit into that. And it's it's been interesting flicking between the remote and, and, the, and the normal school in as much as people are starting to question about actually what is okay and why is it not okay and how that sort of, that sort of um, merges in together mm, that's very interesting i hadn't considered that but yeah I, I very much agree so you talked about the diversity week in the summer um how quickly do schools need to to get on board in that and how do they sign up and, and how does it work practically 
So um, School Diversity Week is a week at the end of June and we bring, we create a pack that we deliver to schools across the UK so you can sign up for it and it's completely free. You can sign up at www.justlikeus.org uh, and you'll get our pack of resources, lesson plans, activities, campaigns, all sorts of things in order to make your school as LGBT inclusive as possible. Um, now one of the things about School Diversity Week is we acknowledge and understand that lots of schools are at different places with LGBT inclusion and we really want to cater to everybody. So within that pack, you'll find everything from how to sort of get going really, really early stage materials through to schools that are quite advanced and already quite good at this. And um, as I say, you can sign up on our website. We provide the pack to you and you can use whatever you like. So you can dip in and out, use some bits. We, we try not to be too prescriptive because we know that schools are incredibly different places um, and they all have their unique needs. So we really actively want you to make this your own and do the best you possibly can with it. We also provide, sorry, I've, <laughs> I've forgotten a really important bit. <laughs> um, we also provide an alternative curriculum of masterclasses online led by LGBT people uh, covering all the relevant subjects and key stages. Wow, so that really is um, a really important factor. And, and, and is that something which has happened more recently because of lockdown or is it something that you had as part of your packages anyway? So that's a really good question. So to be honest with you, it happened entirely because of lockdown. Um, so last year, schools weren't, weren't open at all at the end of June, as you know. Um, so we decided to put these lessons online um, because we wanted to. And just like us has always got this, this way of working. We don't want to make life harder for teachers. We want to make it easier. Talking about people that are very stressed, very busy. We want to say, here you go, take this. I hope it's useful rather than you need to do this in order to show us how, how clever you are, that sort of thing. Um, so we, we released last year um, 15 masterclasses online, about 20 minutes each. And they were people leading subjects in various areas. So I think lots of LGBT inclusion is still someone saying, right, this is what a lesbian is, this is what a trans person is. And I think the conversation has probably moved on a bit beyond that, in, in my view. Um, so we had someone from the VNA talking about how LGBT people had used art in order to... Um, uh, in order to express themselves when they couldn't be out. We had someone from the British Museum talking about same-sex relationships in Greco-Roman times. And we had uh, someone from University of Cambridge talking about how uh, same-sex relationships occur um, in the natural world as well. So it was, it was quite an inc incredible event. And we did do it initially because we had to do something online. We, we, we had to sort of change what we were delivering. And I think we had about three months to do it. It was an idea that, that quickly span out of control, <laughs> like all the best ideas do. Yeah. Um, and then when we played them, we got a 10,000 views within a week. And we thought, wow, we're really onto something here. And I think as, as with lots of the learning we've done during the pandemic, the, we're not going to put this back in the box at the end. This is going to be an, a part of the offer. I think for us, for lots of education charities, your delivery model without meaning to has a bit of a bias for people that are in towns and cities. And we're not great sometimes at reaching out into those rural areas. And I think I really hope that if there's any lessons we take away from the pandemic, it's that our work as a sector needs to reach everybody. And we need to make sure that we're really working with the online space because schools are now are now set up to work like this. So so we should be taking advantage of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it would have been one of the really big benefits is the fact that everyone, I'll say everyone, I guess that isn't 100%, but so many people will just have access to this in a way that they may have done before 
if the resources were there, like you're saying, lots of people are creating resources which um, were created because of the pandemic. But also it's more acceptable that you might do it as an online course or more acceptable that you would go and find these things or or like you say, the schools would support you to do that, which before there was, I think, quite a big barrier about online isn't safe in lots of ways. It was all about the safeguarding side of things as well. And I think the fact that we're now thinking about there's this whole world of fantastic education across the board that you can actually find and have access to and being able to promote the really good ones which is really what this podcast is all about then that just I think it has an explosion of of understanding and knowledge and learning in a way that there never was before absolutely I think that, that there was definitely particularly with training and that sort of thing a bit of a feeling against doing things online actually for a long time and I think that that's probably completely gone now I think that um that we've all woken up to actually the fact that is it is it always as good as in person well maybe not but actually we can deliver great work and we can deliver it to far more people so that's important yeah absolutely and so just as we wrap up is there a, a podcast a book a video film song or a resource that has had a really big impact on your life and can you remember why that was oh wow that's a great question <laughs> um I think um, my, my favorite band are a band called The Magnetic Fields from New York, and they uh, had a song called I Thought You Were My Boyfriend. <laughs> and as funny as it sounds, it, it still, even now, even with plenty of LGBT musicians, it was quite rare in the 90s to hear a record that sang like that, um, I Thought You Were My Boyfriend, which was basically the song about, um, you know, this guy who had thought a relationship was more than it was. Um, and so I think that that song had a profound effect on me. Still, I catch myself when it comes on, as it regularly does on my shuffle. I'm just catching myself with, with the fact that it exists, which I think is really interesting considering the field I work in. And it really goes to show how important that representation is. Yeah, I love that. I think anything which captures that feeling of something and an understanding which connects us on whatever level, and that's why I'm a musician, that's why I love the arts, that's why I think it's incredibly important for it to be in schools and, and everywhere in our, in our lives. So, well, mm. Dominic, thank you so much for joining me. It's been really interesting. We'll have links to everything on our show notes as well. Um, but just leave us with that website again. Again, for people who want to find out more it's www.justlikeus.org fantastic thank you so much for being here thank you so much thank you to the national association for primary education for their long-term support of the education on fire podcast to get a free e-copy of their professional journal primary first please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal that's n-a-p-e .org.uk forward slash journal Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast For more information of each episode and to get in touch go to educationonfire.com Education is not the filling of a pail but the lighting of a fire